Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Wait, so you really want to make a podcast? Do, 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 do. Yeah, what if we just sang our um, music? Maybe we should get some real music, Samantha. The podcast came. Oh, you're still recording. Three, two. Survival Jobs is a podcast spotlighting artists, their side hustles, and their passions. Hosted by Samantha Titsolo and Jason A. Coombs. Boom. Sweet. Okay. Love it. Hi, Jason. How do you feel in 2022? Here we are. Yes, 2022. Thank God we made it. <laughs> We've made it. We're here. We're on episode 21. Damn, I wish it was episode 22. That would have been so good. Happy 2022 mm. and bringing out episode 22. We're silly. We should have thought of that. And we should have planned it better. Oh, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? How was your New Year's? What oh. are you watching? Tell me some things. It was definitely another COVID New Year's. So I just stayed home like a grandpa and I watched Midnight Mass, that show on Netflix, which was incredible. It's by the same creator, Mike Flanagan, of The Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor. I don't know if you know, know those shows. I loved the, both of them. Yo, this is just as good, if not better. I don't even know, but like... What's it called? Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass. It was a revelation. He's a genius. I have to watch uh, his movie, Oculus. Someone told me it was amazing. So that's like on my agenda. He's just a great storyteller. And like, I mean, I was blown away. The acting was phenomenal. The cinematography, like everything. Just everything was fantastic. It was such a treat. I finished it it. in two days. I watched three episodes on New Year's Eve. Mm -hmm. And then the other four on New Year's Day. I was a bum. (laughs) I mean, it's the time of year to be a bum. And now we're like, okay, let's do things. Because New Year, gotta get shit. Oh, I know. I could have maybe used another week of bumming. Can they give us more time? Like, why is it only a week? I was like, why? I feel like when you're a kid, it feels like so much like longer in between that break. And then this time it was just a week. This time it was just a week. It was. I'm like, we're. I'm like, it's Wednesday. It's New Year's Eve. It's Monday. I'm like, what happened? Yeah, it did fly by. I do miss. I miss the breaks that we got in college. Those were good. Oh, those month longs. Oh yes, and then summer like college. No, it was like more than a month long. It was like six it weeks. Was, I forgot yeah. about that. College schedule was legit. 
that should be real yeah. life. Oh yeah. It should so be real life. I like blanked college out of my brain. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, well, I remember is Nita. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I feel like in our mic checks, we haven't been sharing survival job stories too much. And I do yeah, have share one, to please. share because, you know, that's our roots, our survival jobs. That's our, that's our <laughs> show. Yes. Um, so I did want to share a survival job story, you know. So when I first moved back to New York, I was like, you know, I'm living in house kitchen now. I need to make money. So I was looking for, you know, event planner, event coordinator positions because I really do enjoy doing it. I think I'm good at it. And typically, yeah, I, yeah, typically I love working in events. And so I can't say where I worked because in my contract, it was like, should you ever leave this job? You can't ever talk poorly about it. Ooh, NBA, huh? I guess, yeah, which is strange, but... So I can't say where I worked, but I will say that it was miserable. <laughs> it was miserable. And I love working in events and I love working with clients and planning events. And, and the space was gorgeous. It just, I guess the reason I actually did hate it is because it was not a survival job. Do you know what I mean? Like there was absolutely no flexibility, no way I could work from home. The light in the office was like, you know, like hospital lights, you know, like, yeah, fluorescence. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like horrible, bright fluorescent lights from 9am to 6pm. Hello. Like I don't have the strength for that. And let me tell you something. The people you're surrounded with when you work somewhere will make a big difference in how you feel as a person for all aspects of life i'm trying not to say too much but give my message do you know what i mean trying not to shit talk but i'm trying to deliver a message so if i if i sound like i'm shit talking please stop me but the the, like (laughs) negativity and misery from like a few people in the office were so unbelievably hard to be around for nine hours a day nine ten eleven hours a day because it was so busy anywho Long story short, I guess this was such a shitty story to share because I can't share where it was. I'm not giving specifics about the <laughs> shittiness of the people. I worked with amazing, like, A-list clients, like, amazing, amazing, amazing. So in conclusion, shitty negative people and no flexibility to work from home and fluorescent hospital lights for nine mm. hours a day, nine plus hours a day equals gotta go gotta quit luckily I got out and I have like a job Mm. that an actual survival job well I mean environment is important and as we learn from the pandemic seasons one two and possibly three I gotta get that joke in there um (laughs) (laughs) that it's important to do things you want to do like if you don't want to do something that bring you joy or fulfillment or you know, anything positive, why do it? Why? One it makes no sense. Percent. It literally makes One no sense. Percent. Life is too I, short to be in a shitty circumstance and learn that the hard way. So yeah. I give you props. I'm golf, I'm golf clapping for you right now. Thank you. I will say I was really proud of myself for leaving that job. Listen, it was a great salary. It was a great bonus. It was great benefits. 
it was a great place to have on my resume. But I found myself turning into somebody that was not me. Miserable. Mm. <laughs> I was miserable. I had no one. By the way, we didn't record this podcast once while I was there because I had no strength. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't do anything creative because the lights in the office were sucking my soul out <laughs> and making me mad. <laughs> Anywho, I just wanted to share a little survival job because I don't I, I love that. talked about one in a long time. I was going to say, you're going to be mad at me because I haven't seen West Side Story yet. I almost went, but I chose Spider-Man over Maria. <laughs> Spider-Man was so fucking good, though. I made such a good choice. Wow. So I guess you're not a fan. So I was going to say, go see it. Well, I will see it. I'm not like, you know, cr- crossing off the calendar days until I'm able to see it. I'm not like. That's how you involve Scream. <laughs> I'm like, I can't wait. Yeah, you are. You do love Scream. I'm so excited. Wow, so. Jason, who are we talking to today? Speaking of Scream, we're talking to Tyler Geis, <laughs> who loves horror films. And yeah, we should just do his bio. This is a friend of yours, right? Yes, Tyler and I met a while ago, almost 10 years now. He's a really cool uh, filmmaker and producer, and he just produced a film over the pandemic. So I was like, I would love to invite him on so he could talk to us about making art during the pandemic and how that was. So, Oh, I love that. That's so sweet. Yeah. Tell us about him. He is a proud graduate of the film program at Springfield Technical Community College in Springfield, Mass., which he then followed up with a, okay, that's a joke. He was then followed up with dropping out of a bachelor's program to pursue a career in film because he kept getting gigs on major Hollywood sets. Between working on actual big budget film sets, Tyler made the time to make his own little film projects and he became an award-winning filmmaker. Oh, amazing. From there, he was then able to shift into working in television at an ABC affiliate news station and then took the big jump into working for NBC. Now out of the television business, for the time being, he runs his own podcast. We love a podcast, you guys, called Tyler Geis's Basement, where he interviews genre filmmakers and talks about the creative process with them. (laughs) Let's Let's go talk to Tyler so I stop talking and he can talk. Because I don't think I'm well today. That's all right. Yeah, let's bring him into the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Tyler. Welcome to Survival Jobs of Podcast. <laughs> what's up, Samantha? And uh, what's your name? The other? Oh, the I'm other that, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Guy. What's up, y'all? Congrats to you, Tyler, on being a dad or about to be a dad. And I saw you I painting think- your little nursery for your future. I, Maybe. I had a I had eleven days off from work, which is one of my survival jobs, mind you, one of my good ones. I had eleven days off, and I needed we needed to get the nursery painted. We got pretty much like everything in there; it's just not put together. So, yeah, I got a I got a little girl on the way in a couple months. Oh, so, congrats! Thank you, thank you. We're How we're sweet. we're thrilled. Yeah, no, I, I painted. All white, well, not all white. It was white with a pink accent wall because we don't want to go heavy on pink. Mm. Like that, it's kind of that's it is twenty twenty two. Yeah, it's a little old school to like just be like, "Hey, pink means girl," and yeah, you know, I guess I don't know, but I was like, let's kind of mix it up a little bit, and we got like 
white walls with a pink accent wall with uh, like Aww. a gray uh what are that what the hell do they sleep in uh a crib a crib yeah <laughs> 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 yeah, I gotta get. No, I was like a banner. I'm still learning. <laughs> you said you were off from work from one of your survival jobs. Speaking of survival jobs, do you have a story from one that has positively impacted the work that you do now? Uh yes, but it is not necessarily a survival job. I don't mean to throw a plot twist. It is something that has straight up laid the groundworks for pretty much the last like two and a half, three years of my life, if I may. Uh, Please, the floor. Oh, you may. You may. The floor belongs to you. So, just a little bit about me for the audience. I've been working in on and off, pretty much like actual paying work on and off in film for like the last ten years. Uh, But. Is anybody who knows working in that industry, you know, you have a lot of ups and a lot of downs. So like, you know, over the last 10 years, I, I freelanced a lot on sets when Hollywood was in uh, Boston a lot. And uh, I dropped out of college basically to think that I could maybe get my footing in somewhere. And then, you know, that didn't really work out. So then I needed to get a job in television at a local TV station. So I did that. It was a small market TV station. And then nice. that led me down to the whatever however you guys want to describe the state of florida uh (laughs) i don't want i don't want to lose listeners so i'll just be quiet (laughs) yeah i feel you Uh, (laughs) but i i moved with my my lady down here to the orlando area and and i know like you know people joke about florida but to quote a friend of mine who's also a past guest on my show if the entire state of Florida sank, I hope the actual city of Orlando stays above sea level because it's actually a really cool artsy city. Um, outside of the tourist traps and the theme parks, there's actually like a really thriving, you know, art community down here full of, you know, filmmakers and actors and whatnot. And so it's actually it's a cool city, you know, depending on where you go, the neighborhoods you go. But that being said, I, I'm getting somewhere. I might go on tangents. I'm really sorry. We love a good <laughs> tangent. So I, uh, I, I got on, uh, I ended up working for the NBC golf channel that was based down in Orlando and I was there for three years. And one day on that day was my honeymoon. Uh, I get a, I get a text from my boss saying, Hey Tyler, can you get on the phone with us for a minute? We're sorry to interrupt your honeymoon. And I hop on the phone and it is my, my direct boss um kind of like one of the high up like you know suits corporate guys who i knew and i had a good relationship with there was always this rumor that my department was just going to be moved out of florida and shipped up to new jersey and that's exactly oh, what was happening oh, i had oh. i found i found out on my honeymoon that i had 6 months pretty much left at that job now i had options now no mind you i i feel like I feel like none of those people I mentioned on the phone call are going to listen to the show, but who knows they might. <laughs> um, uh, I don't have any like ill will towards those people who had to make that call and tell me that on my honeymoon, these are decisions made by people. I don't even know. wait till you get back. Jeez. Like, come on. Actually, That's though, true. But like I, my, the flip side Hello? of that coin is like, what if I was coming back, you know, high off of just getting married, you know, a week in, you know, the Dominican Republic on the beach, 
And then they go, yeah, uh, you gotta, (laughs) I don't know. That's just kind of how I look at it, I guess. But so they told me you got six months, you know, you can walk away, get your severance package. You have, we, you know, are going to create some jobs that might be able to hold on for like another year. And I are like, you know, I could move out to Denver because NBC has like a, a hub out there that pretty much, you know, all production, you know, is at like Rockefeller Center and whatnot, uh, 30 Rock and everything. But when you're like watching Saturday Night Live, the signal, which I was doing, I was very much on the technical side of television, but the signal for that comes out of Denver. So oh, wow. what? Yeah. what do you mean the signal? <laughs> comes out of denver for snl I'm, i don't understand it's really uh i'm talking satellites and whatnot that kind of tv stuff like they they produce like snl in new york but um they'll send like the feed of the show out to denver because nbc has like a building out there okay and so when it comes to air you're not the whole like Oh my God, I suck at, I've been out of the game too long. I suck at explaining this now. The, the, the actual signal like off of satellites and everything, servers and whatnot, isn't coming from New York. It's coming from Denver. Wow. That is such a fun fact. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. <laughs> Who knew? Um, Denver. But... Like what the fuck is in Denver? You know what I mean? All right. Okay. Uh, Continue. Legal Sorry. marijuana, I guess. I don't there you know. go. Maybe. <laughs> I, for a while, my wife and I were thinking about, there was like, for like a few weeks, we were like, we're going to move to Denver. Let's just do it to keep my job. She had some friends out there to, where she could maybe get a job. But it was just like, we just got a house. We just got married. And, I, you know, it was a long decision process. And I said, I'm going to take my severance pay. I'm going to work some odd jobs. And I'm going to kind of take a crack at really doing what I want to do. Because all these other things, whether as great of a job as it is, even as far as NBC have gone, have pretty much just fizzled out on me. I've never really been fired from a job, good or bad. I mean, all right, I take that back. I, I was fired. <laughs> I was fired in high school from my family's restaurant. Your family, uh, family fired? <laughs> I'm dead. That's yeah, my, I, I was. A, I was. A, I got a second job my senior year of high school, and I was a dishwasher at my family's uh, restaurant, and my sister couldn't not unless she couldn't but she didn't want to actually fire me because i sucked i didn't want to be a dishwasher nobody wants to be a dishwasher yeah (laughs) yeah they the manager ended up firing me and i didn't talk to my sister for like three months but we've been cool since then so um i'm glad to hear i was worried for a minute yeah sister but I, I've never really been fired from a job for better or for worse uh, besides that. So I kind of thought like, if this is a chance to really pursue the things I want to pursue and my wife wanted me home more, we were on opposing schedules. Uh, yeah. I just started, you know, I don't know the terminology here, but I just started banging away at screenplays and whatnot and everything I've been kind of yes. accumulating o- over the past few years and entering so you're back to your art. Yeah, like it, I think I was able to also work out some stress and anxieties through it. And, you know, that like six months later, I was actually up at, you know, Jason's old apartment in uh, oh, New yeah. York. And like you weren't there, but I actually like crashed on your bed. <laughs> and I was in <laughs> No, like so I, I pretty much just 
you know, I was able to work a, you know, a few decent jobs here and there that, uh, um, I was able to have good hours and I was able to focus on my writing and yeah, maybe I took a little bit of a pay cut from time to time in my wallet, but you know, I, I, you know, but I still had a great schedule where I could work on these things and, you know, it's been about three years, almost a little more, about three years and a month since I walked out of there, we took my severance pay and bet it on myself. I'm yes. not where I want to be yet, but I can safely say as of right now, I'm a little closer than I was when I walked out of there. I, I, I'd like to say when I, when I actually, when I interview on my show, like other directors, other screenwriters, other producers, you know, and they're like, like in the middle of the show, they're like, Oh, you're a writer. You And I'm like, yeah, like I'm, I'm not in the, I'm not in the game yet, but I'm in the arena. I'm getting there. Well, I love that you're like ahead of the game because like, I feel like a lot of people because of the pandemic decided to bet on themselves. Right. And you're like yeah. ahead of the game doing that. So kudos to being uh, ahead of the times. <laughs> no, thank you. I, I wrote a lot during COVID. I speaking about COVID, like it's in a past tense, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've done, honestly, I did have a survival job during COVID for about a month and a half that I should have never went and got. I was just bored. <laughs> and it was was at, it a good uh, one or a bad one? Oh, it's, it's a, I mean, like I could, it's neither here nor there, like it, but in theory it was bad. I went and actually they called me because a year prior I interviewed at BJ's wholesale. The, uh... <laughs> I love BJ's. What if I, I, I always get upset that there's not like a BJ's or Costco in the city. I freaking, yeah, it's good. You know, we, we have a, uh, BJ's wholesale card. My wife, well, my wife does, but, um, so like I got rejected working there a year prior. And then when COVID hit and like retail stores and or not retail stores, grocery stores like needed to be open, they started, but like no one was coming back to work or nobody wanted to work or whatever they're saying these days, they were calling all these people that like resumes or in their paperwork, they still had. And they called me. I was like, uh, sure. What, what, when do you want me to come in? And <laughs> And uh, uh, they were like, well, could you start next week? And then I was like, okay. But then I was like, how much are you paying me? And they're like, well, yeah. we're, leaving it, we're leaving it open to our hirees to decide, you know, what they make an hour. And I was like, wait, what? what? <laughs> I mean, um, $75, I think, please. <laughs> yeah, like I was about to be like $150. $100,000. <laughs> yeah, what the heck? And you need to pay me in crypto or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> NFT. But I was just like, I was modest. And this is modest. This was me being modest. I said $15 an hour. And they were like, ah. <laughs> really? We're on, I think they needed to say that as a formality for HR or something. Isn't I don't know. Minimum wage? Or maybe just in Florida. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this was like, like $4 in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> There's no state income tax here. If you're poor here, you're poor, man. But I was like, ah. Yeah, I'd like all right, like fifteen dollars an hour, and they're like, best we can do is anywhere between nine seventy five and eleven dollars. And I was like, sure, I'll do eleven dollars, whatever. This is going to be a social experiment for me anyway, because like, oh boy, you know, the world's gone to absolute shit, and I'm about to go be in the mix of it at a grocery. No, that's store. such this a disaster. So I didn't even get eleven dollars an hour. They gave me nine seventy five. <laughs> 
I'm laughing at you. I'm just laughing. That is a shock for especially for such a huge corporation. Like that is a big giant store. That's sick. And they put me right at a cashier job. I was the only guy there. It was me and like six other, like, you know, women in their sixties. You're just working there a couple of days a week. Oh my God. I was pimp. Those ladies loved me. Not to brag or anything. <laughs> oh my God. Like I was, so I was making a lot of friends with people. I didn't think I'd really ever be friends with. <laughs> Isn't, that nice? Isn't that nice how that happens when you're in these situations and unexpected yeah. friendships pop up i really yeah. i love that jason we not we haven't said that in a while i love that wow you've had some interesting survival jobs so just to transition into your art a little bit what was your biggest inspiration to start getting into storytelling and filmmaking and that um, you're you're braving all of these survival jobs to achieve these dreams right yes. so what was that that first inspiration that made you hungry for it i, I mean since like elementary school, I, my favorite, we used to literally make books. Like you'd get these cheap book covers from like some craft store and get some pages and I'd write and draw stories. I mean, 50 50 to 70% of them were just my interpretations of like movies I watched that I probably shouldn't have watched. Oh shit. (laughs) I always like to say on, on, on my show, I keep, I, sh- I keep referring my show here, but <laughs> well, like, yes. plug it, plug it. It's Tyler Geis's basement. It's on Mondays. We just talk movies. I interview filmmakers on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, iHeartRadio, Podbean. Podbean's dope, by the way. Like I'm getting yeah. a lot of downloads out there. Maybe they're like Russian bots, but I don't. I don't know. But <laughs> so to answer your question, uh, yeah, like early on, I just liked writing stories and liked. I don't know. I just had stuff in my head. I I had a, you know, older brother who would just put on like, you know, eighties and nineties action movies all the time that like, yes. like I, I watched Jean-Claude Van Damme movies before I probably should have ever watched movies like that, even though in hindsight, they're not the greatest movies in the world, but <laughs> I just, I was always kind of a just I just fell in love with film and you know I would just as I got older I started you know seeing films where I'd go I could do that I bet I you know that's cool I want to do that and you know as I grew up I also learned uh you know my my dad worked in advertising he actually wrote commercials and produced I mean he worked I think he worked in the Albany market which I know these are small markets, but still like he worked for an, an agency and wrote and produced these things, got to be extras and commercials and, you know, so it's a dope job. Yeah. Yeah. Like really? he, he got to do it for a few years. And you know, I always, I'd always watch TV shows, anything. And when he'd get a kick out of it, he would always kind of, you know, have a chuckle and say like, you know, if I was 20 years younger, damn, I wish I was in a writer's room or damn, I wish I could just make it as a writer or something. And I think that like stuck with me. I think when he would talk like that, I would go, you know, I think it's that father son parallel of, you know, I'm not trying to like outdo him, but like, maybe I'm trying to take on something that he didn't get to do in his life. Sure. Or he got to do, but he didn't really get to like do it long-term. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know, but I think I also get my love for film and movies and cinema also from my mom. Cause my dad only likes like three movies. <laughs> he, he quotes like three films and it, you know, it is what it is. But 
<laughs> my mom can me and her can sit down and watch a three and a half hour movie from the 1940s if there are any and <laughs> if there are any just being uh, just being like complete silence and we don't get bored and we just I think we just both love movies. I mean, she doesn't, you know, she's, she's worked in a doctor's office pretty much her whole life, but she's always loved movies. I think as I get older with, you know, so much modern stuff in film of like where to watch stuff, stuff and everything and all these new technology and film and me and her still geek out over like classic movies. Like we watch Turner classic movies from time to time. We text each other like, Hey, such and such is on TCM tonight. And uh, so cute. I know, yeah, it's so sweet. And it's so sweet to bond over art like that. I feel like it's such a important connection to have. Yeah. And so I want I I think I just it was around like two 2011. I was I dropped out of uh, college and I was working on, you know, shoots and stuff. And I actually worked on a, a movie that never got finished and never got made. That sucks. Yeah, it was like, and honestly, like, if maybe five, six years later than this happened, if this film was in production and hit the market, it would have done well. It was, um, it was a very LGBTQ kind of message in it. The main character was a, a drag queen. And like, it just, oh. it, I thought it would have really hit. But there was, I guess, clashing going on between producers above my head. So that never really got made. But then, uh. So I just basically took a lot of knowledge of what not to do on a movie set. And I just went out and started making my own stuff. <laughs> and that's the best way to learn, right? Yeah. I mean, like, like I, what I, not to do. On yeah. <laughs> the first thing I ever made was a feature film on $2,000 budget, premiered it in front of a movie theater of about 800 seats. And I feel like we almost sold that thing out. So oh. um, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, it was like nine years ago, but hey, thank you. Yeah, but it's not too shabby for the first thing you made on your own to have 800 people yeah. see it and premiere yeah. and like do the damn thing. That's incredible. Yeah, no, it was it was one of the best nights of my life. And then it got followed up with a bad, bad survival job. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Well, I want to hear I want to hear about you producing horny teenagers must die how did that, <laughs> i can't get over that title <laughs> okay so how did that um, happen that's something positive that happened during uh the pandemic right yeah we uh we it was it shot this summer before i think uh delta variant came along and started kicking our oh ass God. so yeah. we were able to um get like we were, we were able to get in, you know, obviously we still had protocols and whatnot. And, but like, we were able to kind of be, able, I don't want to say laxed, but you know, there was a lot, it, it wasn't as crazy as it was the summer before. So horny teenagers must die. I will tell you what I can tell you about it. Cause um, you know, where we've, we just had a big product post-production meeting about things and we're kind of starting to get ready in this new year to roll out some stuff. Yes. Uh, so this is a uh, slasher film that pretty much does follow a lot of tropes. You've not tropes. But yeah. You could say tropes you've seen throughout seventies and eighties horror movies. Um, it does kind of feel. A, I promise I'm going somewhere somewhere with this, but it does feel <laughs> a little kind of sleazy, 
But the thing is, is we're taking a lot of those tropes and we're putting it into like today's world and how today's world kind of works now and kind of the, you know, the messages going on in the world. Um, it just has a really good payoff. And we you wanted to use a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek title, A, for a selling point. And yeah. <laughs> and B, because you know, I, I think you know, something like that gets butts in seats, people are curious, but um you know, I think there's going to be something, a message that people come away with that, you know, they feel really comfortable with, even though there's kind of a tongue in cheek title, but it's still real, but it's still a kick-ass slasher movie. So for sure. And how did you get involved with producing it? Like what was like, uh, the director, the director literally twisted my arm and <laughs> um, <laughs> the director is a guy named Dave Zagorski. He's made a few horror films that actually, I think they're, they're, they're pop, they popped up on a few kind of small streaming platforms. He's had distribution and whatnot. And yeah, he does pretty well. And we've, we've been friends for uh, about like, you know, about 10 years, I think. And he had like a screening for one of his movies uh, that pretty much just reeks of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> and, oh, wow. and uh, yeah, I could tell it was like his big inspiration. And he was having a screening because he's from like the next town over where I'm from. And I went to it and we didn't know each other. And then I shot him an email afterwards just saying like, hey, love the movie, you know, big horror fan. Uh, you know, you, you seem like a real passionate guy about the genre. And, you know, we just kind of became friends. And then he had this, you know, script for horny teenagers must die. And I first <laughs> I was just like, Dave, best of luck to you. I think you got something great here. I don't think I want to be a part of a movie called Horny Teenagers Must Die. <laughs> And the thing is he's like, no, 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 man, you don't understand. You don't understand. And he, he, you know, he'd throw all these things at me. Like, you know, we're going to do this I, I, again. I can't really say, but I, I just kind of was like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if that's, I do want to make horror films, but I, I don't know if I want to, you know, homage grindhouse movies again or whatnot. Like, I feel like, you know, that might be a little play. He's like, no, it's, it's kind of like that, but it's got like a good message for like today's audiences. And I was like, okay okay like talk to me some more and you know we just kind of kept talking and the next thing i know he's like sending me casting choices and whatnot and like oh wow you know what do you think about this person for this role and i was just kind of like uh yeah she's just she's cool let's uh let's let's audition her (laughs) she's cool um yeah all our auditions were on zoom you know and it next thing i know like you know i'm i just said all right you got me on board and you know we have a real good producing team behind it i feel like that we're, we all kind of have our own little things we have strengths at and that we can bring to the table to really get it out there because you know we don't want to just finish it premiere it in like a theater in western massachusetts somewhere and then that's it like we're actually trying to get this in front of distributors we're going to do a festival run um if we can get any festivals you know we're, we just you know I, I'm, I'm really excited about it I hope people kind of get it, uh, but you never know. Yeah, no. that's the cool I'm, thing about horror is that I'm not, I'm not an expert, but one of my good friends, he like does a lot of like producing and you know editing for bigger projects, and he's like horror always kind of has like a built-in market. Like, you don't need yeah. like a, an A-list star to sell your horror movie, you know, because they just have this built-in kind of like like rabid fans. So like, yeah, horror is easier to sell, it's easier to make money, and it's easier to get it out there rather than like a comedy or an action movie, like a drama. 
you need like yeah. a name to sell your movie. Yeah, that's, that's why uh, that's why there's horror movie festivals or horror movie yeah. like conventions now and stuff. Like I, I've always loved the so genre, true. but I feel like the last few years I've really kind of wanted to work in the genre. I mean, there's just so many great talents, past, present, future. It, pretty much a lot of the directors I've had on my show recently are horror film directors. I mean, I've just gotten lucky through shooting my shot through agents and managers and, you know, just emails I find on IMDb Pro. I mean, I can't get Jordan Peele <laughs> yes. yet, but like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but manifest it. Put it on your 2022 vision board. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, def- I'm definitely... I told Jason that I, I want to get uh, David Arquette on, but... He's Put it on the board. Oh, well, speaking <laughs> of these people that you want to work with, do you have a specific person, a dream person that you would want to collaborate with or work on something with? Uh, good question. Um, I mean, I'm a big fan of uh, like what Blumhouse has done and yes. the horror genre. I yes, think Jason Blum's a genius. And yeah, it would be cool if I got something in front of him that he liked. You know, he Blumhouse does a lot of kind of high concept but low cost, which I kind of like. I feel, and I feel like a lot of the market in film is shifting back towards that, mainly because of COVID. I mean, every producer I talk to, you know, it's hard to make a movie over five million dollars if it's not a tent pool film. Can you explain to our listeners oh. what a tent pool? film is <laughs> like and to samantha me myself because i have no idea what that is it's basically like a franchise movie like your marvels and your like like your built-in um like ip intellectual properties uh movies you know stuff that the audience is like generally aware about and you can kind of branch off from that movie into sequels or spinoffs um yeah like i think you see you know marvel kind of Marvel Marvel Studios kind of beat the crap out of the market with that because they yeah. just blew up so big. And hey, more power to them. Like, I mean, I love superhero movies, but you know, the flip side of that coin is the little guy. I think sometimes is struggling, and I just th- I just think it's important to maybe write films that you know have like somewhat of a budget in mind. Like everything I've been writing recently, I feel like is between five hundred thousand and three million budget wise. Uh, which is like nothing right like it's like it's like nothing like but it's not much it's pretty much like you know that that kind of budget probably gets you like 15 to 20 days of shooting you can get maybe one you know name actor on there to come out for a supporting role uh but still like there's markets now for films like that there's so many for sure streaming platforms that i mean even something like netflix could take something like that if it's good enough uh I mean, you know, this is all knowledge I've gained. I haven't put it into practice yet, but I'm trying. Um, yeah, I, I kind of think I want to make movies that never really exceed 15, 20 million. I, I don't want to do special effects, crazy things. I mean, because even then I heard like the paydays for directors aren't even really that. I mean, they're big compared to anything else, but I don't know. I, I just like small things, but that are high in concept, so that's nice you know if the, yeah. the the content is there and the content is good you don't need all the extra zhuzh you know <laughs> the zhuzh. <laughs> that's a cool word <laughs> thank you um, well, i thought it because you know 
Sometimes I like to zhuzh my hair. That's what I say if I like <laughs> get it going. So I've never heard zhuzh. that, but all right. Yeah, I, I might have made it up. You know what? And then I'll just add it to my dictionary. <laughs> You're an originator. Thank you. <laughs> so Tyler, I know that you have, if you want to talk like a little bit about that film that you've been working on, that awesome script you've been writing and trying to get produced. Um, is that what's next for you? Which one? Uh, Ryan Road Story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like you've been working really hard to get money and funding for it. Yeah, to... that's definitely a, you know, that's the, you know, everybody has their passion project. Everyone has their, <laughs> their, their one that like, you know, you want to get made, you know, but like, it's almost like you got to keep it in your back pocket and maybe do a few other things first. Uh, look, so what's I, next for you? What's next for me? Like yeah. with that project or in general? Or like in general. I was assuming that was next, but what's you shouldn't, next? Make, you shouldn't assume. <laughs> no, like that could be next. I don't know. But what's next for me is I'm about to be a dad. Uh, yes. And I like, like I am very, I would say the past few months, I've kind of started to get the anxiousness about parenting. You know, I feel like there's a stigma around people who are writers actors, performers entertainers artists that when they become when they become a parent uh that's it it's over bye goodbye to all your hopes and dreams and yeah. i just kind of go nah, i don't know because like i have i've had a lot of good role models who you know are, are still you know doing what they're doing and they have a family i mean don't get me wrong like it's gonna be hard i, I know it's gonna be hard I know I'm in for maybe, you know, the first, you know, three, four, five, six months of just shifting into this new role. But, you know, the good thing is, is I am going to be a stay at home dad. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the caretaker at home. And this also kind of gives me. I love me, that. Yeah. I'm, I'm I pumped. love that too. I'm excited. And like, cause that's also just a sign of the times. Like, you know, it used to be, you know, the, the woman stays at home and, you know. Yeah. The man goes out and works his nine to five and comes home to a freshly cooked meal. I never, and I think that's with millennials. Like we're just, we're flipping the switch on. Yeah. Because there's no reason work. not I mean, to, you don't need to follow this like cookie cutter portrayal of what your life is supposed to look like. And to that point, I would like to also say what you were saying about like, Oh, once you have a kid, your hopes and dreams are gone. There's no reason you can't have it all. There's no reason you, there's like this portrayal of, what an artist's life looks like or what a woman's life looks like as a mother. It's all, excuse me, bullshit because we can yeah. do what we want as working, Perhaps. smart, intelligent adults. Thank you. That's what I want to say. No, that's, that's perfect. I mean, yes. we're, we're just, uh, no, I'm excited to be a stay-at-home dad because right now I have like a stack of screenplays here. I have contacts put together. I have people I've been talking to. And if I, you know, between changing diapers, if I got to answer emails, yeah. phone calls, whatever I got to do, or at nighttime, if I got to talk to someone on the West Coast here on the East Coast, when there's a three hour difference, you know, wife's got to take the baby for a little bit, you know, that that's what we got to do. Listen, you know? nap time, nap time will be your best friend to do all of your productive things. Yeah. So I think you're going to be just fine. We're wrapping up. This is our final question that we're about to transition to which has been one of my favorites since we started this podcast. Tyler, if you had to go back to your worst survival job for the next 10 years, 
to come out and have your bliss dream career in filmmaking, producing, writing, whatever your dream career looks like. Working with and Jason. you would have it. Yeah. And you'll have that for the rest of your life. Would you do it? But you'll be in that worst survival job for the next 10. Yes, but I almost lost my life at that job. Oh, my God. <laughs> Samantha's face. Okay, Please tell don't. Us. Yeah, tell us. Tell us <laughs> okay, I know it's, it's and then the we'll last. And come out of like the horror story. Can we have a fun surprise game for you? So I don't know if I was given crack or something at this what? job. But, <laughs> Actually? Uh, so, look, after... <laughs> It it was something. It was something that I had a horrible reaction to. It couldn't have been crack because I didn't. I wasn't like you know Jones in for like another. I don't want to go in there. That's mean. But um, no. So like I remember how after I made my film, I had to go get a crappy job. This was that crappy job. It was a furniture warehouse. Oh, yeah. Geez. Nobody would answer my phone calls or reply to a resume email. So. I get a job at this furniture warehouse with like the meanest, the meanest boss I think I've ever had. Um, and it was six of us in this big warehouse doing just manual labor. And I, I just, I was like, I'm going to hold on to this till I find something new. And I had this coworker who lived across the street at the hotel with his girlfriend and her kids. And I got, <laughs> I can't, <laughs> you gotta write this down he was really cool he was not like he was nice like he actually helped fix my car on some stuff and he didn't charge me he just had me buy the parts and he fixed it and but then like it was kind of a barter thing like then he like next thing i know i'm driving him to cash his check but we got to make three more stops after that and one of them is he goes into a store and almost beats a guy up but that's not what that's not what almost killed me one day after about three hours of sleep and I had to be in at work at like seven in the morning, uh, I'm exhausted. And he just goes, and this is before I became a coffee drinker. I, I, I never really drank those monster energy drinks, Red Bulls. It's just not for me, but occasionally if I got to do one to get through, you know, being exhausted, fine, I'll do it. Uh, he's just like, Oh, I got one of these energy boosters here. And I don't even remember how he necessarily gave it to me. I know it was like a cup with water and I feel like he sprinkled some stuff in. And I thought it was just like, I don't know, something you buy at a convenience store for like a dollar right at the debt, right at the, the cashier. So I didn't think of it. I just down it. And then about three, all of a sudden I'm going bonkers. Like I'm working like a madman. And then like 30 minutes later, my mouth is so dry I can't even think of a comparison. I'm just sucking down water. I'm sucking down water. And all of a sudden, like, I know I'm a white guy, but I'm about as white as a sheet of paper. <sighs> and and I, I just like, people are looking at me like, Hey man, something's, something's not right with you. And I'm sucking down more water. I go into the break room and there's like three guys who are being interviewed for the jobs that they eventually just took from me and the other people that they decided to lay off. Um, uh, so oh my God. I'm just, I'm sick, man. So I go to my supervisor and I was just like, Hey, uh, I gotta go home. Something's wrong with me. And cause he was just such a prick, you know, he was just like, fine. Yeah, go whatever. And I'm like, I mean, go fuck yourself. Like I get in my car. There's so much furniture to sell. Yeah, <laughs> So I get in my car and I'm about two towns over from where I live. And, but on the way home is my mom's work. 
So I pull into, she works at a an orthopedic doctor's office. So I pull in and I'm thinking, I can't drive. Like something's wrong with me. I'm, I'm dizzy. I, my heart, I can hear my heart beating. I thought, like, I'm thinking like, I might die. Like something's going to happen to me. Oh my God. Pull into the, pull in there. I go inside. They know who I am. I was like, I talked to my mom. My mom comes out and I'm like, mom, can you bring me home? Like, I can't drive something. I took an energy drink and she looked me up and down. She's a nurse. She goes, no, I think I need to take you to the hospital. And she takes me to the hospital. They hook me up to an IV. I'm there like two to three hours. I'm pretty sure my parents were mad that I'm there because, you know, now it's going to be like an $8,000 hospital bill for them or something. (laughs) Uh, Something like that. They're asking me questions like in front of my parents, like, have you ever smoked crack cocaine? Do you have an addiction to like, do you, do you have an addiction to methamphetamine? Do you like, and I'm like, no, like, I know I just took an energy drink and they never really figured out what it was, but I thought I was going to fucking die. I have a question. Did you ever ask this gentleman who drizzled something into your water? Yeah. I asked him like, Hey, what did you give me? And he's like, it was just an energy booster. An energy that booster. Guy, yeah, that guy was lying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, it definitely was some crack in there, whatever that he's was. He's probably Steven. crack now. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm like determined that's like crack. Yeah. In it. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I think that's a great way to end the interview segment of Tyler. What do you think, Jason? <laughs> thank you. That was I'm a lot of fun. So dead. I'm so dead. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. I had to unmute myself. I'm, so yeah. I'm glad you like are alive, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad, thank I'm, God I'm glad that story ended too. the way it did. And, and good thinking to go go stop at your mom's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jason. Um, yeah, so we we yes. end every episode with a fun, super fun game. I'll let um, Jason take her in here because this game came from his brain, as most yeah, of you so do. No, I know you love scary movies. So we're going to play some scary movie trivia. What's your favorite scary movie? So uh, we have five questions for you and a bonus. And let's see how well you know the genre that you are new to loving, I guess, right? Are you um, nervous? Shit. Yeah, I'm nervous. I mean, you have a Halloween t shirt right here. So yeah, I know. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be good or if I'm going to be bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, Anthony, want to take the first? Yes, but I would like you to cue the music. Oh. <laughs> okay, what year did the John Carpenter film Halloween premiere? A, 19. 1970. Oh, you know it without telling me. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Tell me what you're <laughs> going to say, and then I'll give you multiple choice. 1978. Yep, correct. I don't even. That wow. was really great work. And I think Jason, we give him a bonus point already because he didn't even <laughs> need the multiple choice. Congrats. Yes. All right. Number two, true or false, Tyler? Jennifer Aniston was originally supposed to play Gail Weathers in the original screen film, but was replaced by Courtney Cox after she injured her tailbone skiing. Wow. I, I'm i going to guess because I've never heard this before. Uh, I'm going to say true. Oh, sorry. It's <laughs> Wait, Jason, how do you get that question? I've never <laughs> heard that. I made it up, yeah. That's clever. <laughs> oh, did you make it up? <laughs> yeah. That's really good. Thanks. Okay, number three. <laughs> okay. Number three. Name the killer in the original Friday the 13th film. Pamela Voorhees. 
Wow. Wow. Good job. You're killing it. First Friday the 13th is actually a whodunit. Jason does not show up till part two. We don't see the hockey mask till part three. Wow. Look at that. Good job. I thought I was going to stump you. You are. Wow. Okay. Number four. How many Candyman films have there been in total? Because the first one and the remake are the only ones I like. Uh, <laughs> is it four? Correct. All right. Wow, you're Couldn't crushing Candyman, it. 1982, Candyman, Pharaoh to the Flesh, 95, Candyman 3, Day of the Dead in 99, and then the most recent one, Candyman 2021. Oh, new one was so Wow, you are crushing it. Okay, number five. <laughs> Which of these popular horror film series has never been adapted into a television series? A, I Know What You Did Last Summer. B, Leprechaun. C, Chucky. D, Scream. Uh, B, Leprechaun. Correct. Wow. Ding, ding, ding. All right. Chucky last scared one. me, sorry. I just oh, wanted Chucky. to let you guys know, Chucky scared me so bad. I'm still scared of Chucky, and I just thought Chucky's you awesome. guys should know. He's the scared. show is so good. Yeah, I saw all the pilot. It's so good. Yeah, the show is so good. I got the original creator behind it, so it's it's spot on. You ever seen the first Child's Play, Mad? It's so good. Under like I I, I saw it with fresh eyes after like 15 years. That is such an awesome movie. I like so the second well one a little bit better though. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, definitely the first one. <laughs> All right. Last one, which is a bonus. Okay. Which iconic film director is known as the master of suspense? Al- Alfred Hitchcock. <gasps> ding, ding, ding. Wow. Wow. I really want to say you crushed it, and I want to say you did get 100% because you got an extra point on the first question. Alfred <laughs> Hitchcock, Even, man. Hey, and I do want to also say the one you got wrong was tough. Jason really came up with a very believable story. So I want to say congratulations. You deserve your perfect score and I'm proud of you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for spending this evening with us. This was fun. I learned a lot. I want to let you know I learned a lot about film. Tyler, can you uh, let all of our listeners know where they can look you up on social media to follow what films you're working on and all the great things that you're doing? Okay. I uh, I, I am on Facebook. Just look me up, Tyler Geis. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram is where I really kind of like hanging out, uh, at Mr. Geis. I'm also on Instagram. You can follow my production company, Ryan, the Ryan Road Company. Uh, we're a little quiet right now, but hopefully as the year goes on, we'll have some more news and updates. And you can also follow me on Instagram with Tyler Geis's Basement Pod, my podcast page. Uh, pretty much it's just updates every Monday when an episode airs and whatever else I can think of in between. Jason, um, tell everyone where they can find us. Oh, yeah. So we are on Twitter and Instagram at Survival Jobs Pod. <laughs> on That's Facebook, right. That's Survival right. Jobs 
podcast. Right. And you can also buy us a coffee uh, in the link below if you want to support our podcast. And definitely listen to Tyler's podcast too, please. Yeah, Jason's on there from like the third episode. Well, thank you again, Tyler. This is amazing. Thank you so much for having me. This is a dream come true. I kind of been, I've been like, I don't like, like, I'm not trying to invite myself like onto people's shows, but like me and Jason have talked over the months. Like, hey, you got a great show. You got a great show. (laughs) If you want me to come on your show, let me know. Yeah. Oh well, thanks for supporting and listening and coming on. This was great, and it was so great to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Congratulations on your daughter, and best of luck with all the things. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.